We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. And Jason, the Chicago Bulls currently have the best record in the NBA. A huge week for the Bulls. Coming off their first loss of the season against the Knicks last Thursday. Bulls had a big test on Saturday against the Utah Jazz, the best team in the regular season last year in the whole league. The best team in the regular season this year to start the season until they played the Bulls. Last undefeated team. Yep. Give the Jazz their first loss of the year with a massive third quarter. Close it out in the fourth. Bulls win 107-99. An incredibly impressive victory by the Bulls to go up against one of the truly elite teams in the NBA and to hold them off. I thought that game was going to be a loss for the Bulls for sure. I bet against them. <laughs> uh I wanted to bet against them, but I, I held off. I said, we'll see. I'm not touching this one. And I'm glad I didn't because the Bulls really responded in that game. Their best performance of the year, I thought. And then they follow it up on Monday night. This is the game we just watched. Bulls beat the Celtics 128 to 114 in a game they trailed by 19 points in the third quarter. The Bulls closed this game on a 51 to 18 run over the final 14 minutes. An unreal performance. Zach Levine taking over in the fourth quarter. DeMar DeRozan icing shots down the stretch. Io DeSumo looking like the steal of the draft, Jason. <laughs> what an incredible set of back-to-back games for the Bulls. The Bulls are 6-1. and one. They're top seven in both offense and defense. And this team is kind of rolling right now, Jace. I think it's time to say the Bulls, they look for real. Bulls in six, baby. Uh, shout out to the old old days and still looks yeah so this obviously was all coming in the wake of the patrick williams likely season ending injury uh obviously just that was a huge bummer we talked about that in our last pod and we were just wondering how they were going to replace him uh, and you mentioned like they got this tough test coming up against the jazz and 
Uh, they played their ass off. They, I would say they got a little luck against the Jazz. The Jazz, a normally great three-point shooting team, were I think that was like eight of they were eight or eleven of thirty-eight from three, shot only thirty-eight percent. But I mean, part of that was the Bulls' defense was really darn good. I don't. I think they got lucky early, but down the stretch, uh, they played really well. The, the game did get tight a bit uh, in the fourth quarter. The, the the Jazz finally started hitting some threes tightened up a bit again, but the Bulls were able to hold them off in that game. At one point, they were up, I think, 15 or 16 in that game. So they kind of controlled that uh, that third quarter, like you said, to open up the game there. Uh, but yeah, and that was the first game where we see this new look rotation where we get Derek Jones Jr. minutes, we get more Tony Bradley minutes, we get more Io minutes, uh, because Troy Brown Jr. played three minutes in that first half against the Jazz, chucked up an awful three, it was a minus six. And Billy went to Io, and while Io didn't have a great stat line that game, one of six shooting, he did hit a three-pointer, and he was a plus 17. We look at Derek Jones Jr., plus 18 that game, Tony Bradley, plus 19 that game, and two huge blocks. I think he stuffed a side Whiteside back in his face twice. Uh, and then we saw that again with the bench against the Celtics, and the Celtics come back. They looked dead in the water. The, they, got out of, they got up to a hot start. They hit their first five threes, I think. They were up 11 in the second quarter. And then Jalen Brown just absolutely goes off. I think he scored something like 12 straight points. Celtics take over in the third quarter. And uh, we are having a little panic attack in our, in our Twitter DM. We're like, Oh, this is a pathetic bulls effort. They've rolled over and quit. Like, as you said, they go down 19 points and then a lineup of, I think it was Zach. Io, Alex Caruso, Tony Bradley, Derek Jones, Jr. Kind of brings them back to start the fourth quarter, Zach, after struggling for so much for so much of the game, he had like four threes rim in and out. Uh, he starts just being super aggressive, going to the basket, finishing. The defense was incredible. Uh, Io looked awesome. <laughs> Io had 14 points and made all six of his shots. Derek Jones Jr. and Tony Bradley, again, just bringing defensive energy, protecting the rim. Uh, and then DeMar DeRozan, as you said, closes it down. Ten points in the last uh, last six minutes of the fourth quarter. 37 for the game. I think that's two straight 30 point efforts for him. He had, he had a, the dagger three pointer right after we thought he had hit the dagger three pointer. He had that from the corner. He had one waved off for the, for a shot clock violation. Literally the next possession, he, he hits one from the same exact spot and counted to basically put the game on ice. So just an incredible team effort from, from all the guys from DeRozan scoring Zach scoring Lonzo didn't have the best game against the Celtics, but he still buckled down late. Booch, Felt like I had tweeted about Booch getting not even or getting benched to close the game against Celtics because it looked like Al Horford was about to roll him. But he came up with some huge plays on the stretch, almost had a triple double. Uh, and again, the bench was awesome. And I and I was awesome. I was one got a podium game, was a bit of a hero there. And I'm sure we'll talk about him a bit more later. But yeah, just super satisfying, especially when it's against good teams, and especially when it's when it's against the Celtics. Uh, we know we have we haven't, I guess it really hasn't been much of a rivalry lately, but I mean, going back when the bulls are actually somewhat competitive, just uh, some friendly banter, maybe not so friendly against the Celtics and Celtics fans on Twitter. So to, to do that against them, the Celt- and to kind of, I don't want to say this, the bulls broke the Celtics last night, but Marcus smart comes out after the game and is like just calling out Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum for not passing enough. Uh, just kind of a mess there. So to, to do that, extremely satisfying to have the bulls sitting here at six and one, um, get, and just getting some big wins. Remember, a couple was it a couple years ago when I think they beat like one or two teams, like like over five hundred. Obviously, the Celtics aren't over five hundred right now, but winning games like marquee games just like was not a thing the last couple of years. And now they've already put together a couple of nice wins. The Raptors win is looking better uh, already. The because they've been playing pretty well lately. So like, uh, 
and our our guy Matt at Blogable wrote just a nice thing about how the now like the, the Bulls have this tough schedule coming up, but other teams have to feel the same way about the Bulls being a hard part of the schedule because uh, they they don't quit. They have they can turn on to another gear, uh, and just really nice to see all these guys contributing. Uh, just a lot of fun. Yeah. There's so much you could point to. I'm, I'm sort of curious, Jason, what you think is real so far and what you think, you know, could maybe prove itself to be uh, because of small sample size to this point. Like one thing I think is real for sure is that the Bulls are just ball hawks on the defensive end. It starts with Alex Crusoe and Lonzo Ball, the two free agent additions over the offseason. Both of them have just been transformative for this defense. And coming into the year, we thought, like, if you would have asked me what's the most important part of NBA defense, I would have said rim protection. Yeah. Like, a great rim protector can clean up all the mistakes in front of them. Well, the problem with that, though, is that as the league has gone to more, like, stretch fives, now you often don't have the luxury of being able to camp your big man in the center of the floor to protect the rim. So the Bulls have sort of gone the other way in the roster construction with this, and they got two of the best perimeter defenders in the league in Lonzo and Alex Caruso. Both of them are averaging, you know, Caruso's over two, he's two and a, 2.6 steals per game. Lonzo's at about two steals a game. Vucevic, who instead of playing a traditional rim protector role, is really just trying to like stop guards in the paint before they can even get to the basket. He's averaging a steal and a half a game too. So when I look at the last two games, and specifically the fourth quarter comeback against the Celtics, I really think it all starts on the defensive end. And just having Lonzo and Caruso uh, be able to fight over screens consistently, be so sharp on their rotations, I think that's made all the difference in the world for the Bulls. Now you add in Derek Jones Jr. and Tony Bradley, who you referenced earlier, those guys had not been playing up until the last couple of games. I think both of them are going to be a major part of the rotation for the rest of the season. I think Tony Bradley has gotten the upper hand on Alizé Johnson in their sort of rotation minutes battle. And Bradley has one big thing going for him that Alizé Johnson doesn't. He's huge. He's huge. He's He's a 7'5 wingspan guy. He's one of the longest players in the NBA. Tony Bradley is very slow. Tony Bradley is, you know, not someone who's going to be defending the pick and roll in space or anything like that. But guess what? On Billy Donovan's scheme, the Bulls don't ask their bigs to do anything like that. Instead, it's a pretty conservative scheme. Vooch has been playing a little bit closer to the level of the screen when defending the pick and roll. Bradley in more of a traditional drop from what I've seen so far. But just being big and huge and putting your arms up and taking up space in the paint has made a lot of difference. Jones is an exceptional athlete. We know this yeah. if you follow the league at all. Because dunk contest. Won the dunk contest yeah. multiple times. And, uh, you know, he really is a human highlight reel athletically. So to have him and Javante Green, who's now in the starting lineup replacing Patrick Williams, flying all over the floor with blocks, with steals, sort of helping fortify the back end of the Bulls defense, while Caruso and Lonzo, and to a lesser extent, Io, who's been pretty impressive, I think, in his minutes. I'm sure you'll want to talk about that. Uh, they're sort of fortifying the perimeter defense. So defensively, Jason, I'm buying it. The Bulls <laughs> don't have a great rim protector. They don't have like a super mobile five, which always seems to be the biggest trump card in, uh, you know, scheming for a great defense. But even with, a, you know, a relatively two relatively slow centers in Vooch and Bradley, I think the Bulls have done really well to just crank up the perimeter defensive pressure to have two, 
two super athletic wings guarding the baseline. And I'm loving what I'm seeing out of the Bulls defense so far. And that leads directly into another big strength of the Bulls, which is their transition offense. And, uh, you know, one note I have on the Bulls transition offense, they're second in points per possession in the entire league in transition offense right now. So when the Bulls get out on the break, they are able to finish. And it's such a breath of fresh air compared to what we've seen the last few years. I think like I'm believing in, in the activity of this defense right now. And I believe that part of the reason this team can erase deficits in a way that the Bulls of the last few years haven't been able to do is because they can turn defense into offense so quickly. When you have guys who run the floor hard, like Zach, like DeRozan, Lonzo's hit ahead passing has been every bit as great as it was promised to be coming into the team. And even someone like Io, you know, and Derek Jones just running the floor hard as reserves. Bulls transition offense looks great. And it all starts with their defensive activity. Yeah, I mean, just one play specifically you could point to yesterday. Uh, it was either late third or early fourth. Dennis Schroeder comes around a pick and roll. Crusoe trailing him just packs the shit out of him. Uh, or he either stole it or he he, he blocked Schroeder trying to go for the shot. Goes to Io. Io runs the break. Derek Jones Jr. Uh, alley oop. I mean, just that's like a perfect example of it. Crusoe with the big defensive play, and they immediately turn it the other way. Guys running the court, and you get an alley oop out of it. Uh, that's definitely just. That's definitely a, definitely a strength of like the second the second unit guys. Obviously, they have Zach and Lonzo to do it as well. We saw I don't even know if this was defense to offense. They must have, might have been off a free throw. Where I feel like the Bulls yesterday really did try to push the pace a bit more because if you, like if you look at the numbers, like they, their pace numbers like aren't very high. I feel like yesterday they were really trying to like make a concerted effort because there was the the Javante Green alley oop that where he literally hit his head on the backboard. Then was that off a made free throw or a? Miss free throw. It was. I feel like that wasn't even off like a defensive stop, but they definitely were making a, a point to push with force. And when they do do that, whether it's off a make, whether it's off a turnover, they definitely are super dangerous. Uh, in terms of the defense overall, like I still am somewhat skeptical that they can keep up this up like all season, like being this good. Because like you said, what they're what like top seven, they're like five or six or something like that right now. Like I still I, I made fun of Stacey King before the season when he said the Bulls would be top five in defense. I still don't know if I could buy it that much, but I definitely buy that they can be pretty good. We we see how when they when they're locked in, they can rot they rotate, make their rotations. They have guys who can who can force steals and force turnovers. Um, and we just saw having Jones in the rotation, how he he helped just guarding Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum down the stretch. I mean, those guys were like totally lost. I mean, more Tatum was awful down the stretch. Uh, in crunch time, he had like a huge usage rate just going ISO stuff. And I think having Derrick Jones and his athleticism. Uh, out there I think they really really helped so that was that's the nice adjustment nice to see him getting more minutes and making an impact so I said I'm not like fully in on the Bulls being a top five defense but I'm definitely in on them being uh competent to possibly decently good yeah we were like coming into the season we were like well if they can be top 20 or a lot of people were like they can be top 20 uh, they should be good to go. Of course, I think Donovan's never coached a defense that's finished lower than 12th. Was that the stat? So he's consistently coached good defenses. And this Bulls team seems like, I think they can probably finish top 12 again defensively. Like even if they don't finish six, which is where they're at right now, uh, it's a good defensive team because they have ball hawks all over the roster. They have athleticism besides for at the center position. And it's just such a welcome addition. So the other thing that I think you can believe in right now with this Bulls team is that they have a sick closing lineup. 
And that's Alex Caruso, Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic. There was obvious defensive questions about that lineup uh, coming into the year. You know, anytime your front court is DeRozan and Vucevic, like you're going to be vulnerable in certain spots. But the Bulls have done a terrific job utilizing sort of their, uh, you know, their perimeter pressure, ball pressure to put those guys in a position to succeed. And then offensively, I just love what we're seeing out of this closing group. I think to have two guys who could score so effortlessly in the half court is Zach and DeRozan has just been so mutually beneficial for both of them, right? Like over the last few years, we've seen Levine try to go Zach against the world in crunch time in the half court and opposing defenses knew that there was really no one else on the floor who could beat you in those instances. Well, now the bulls have three guys who can beat you consistently and who have proven that, you know, over the course of multiple years throughout their NBA careers, with Zach, Vooch, and DeRozan. So essentially, you have Zach and DeRozan both running a two-man game with Vooch. DeRozan's ability to generate free throws and to be able to hit tough mid-range looks has just been so clutch this season and seems like something you can consistently bank on. Like, he might be shooting a little bit over his head right now for mid-range, but he's proven over the course of his career that that's his bread or in isolation. Yeah he can hit tough shots from the mid-range. Those are the shots opposing defenses want to give up, and those are the shots that DeMar DeRozan is best at hitting. And then you saw Zach against Boston on Monday night. He just took over in the fourth quarter, man. What do you have, 14 fourth-quarter points, I think? Uh, he is still so athletic, even with the hand injury, which has been limiting him, and which I do think is a bit of a concern moving forward because the Bulls definitely need Zach in the lineup. Uh but he still put up 26 in each of the last two games against Utah and Boston. So, uh, you know, add in the floor spacing that Lonzo provides and sort of just the ability to get you going in transition. And then Caruso is the same way, but on the defensive end, Caruso offensively still a major question mark (laughs) to be sure. But what's wild is like for a guard who struggles so much on offense, he still undeniably has a positive impact oh, yeah. on the team's performance. Like he is a reliable player. And I'm loving that closing group for the Bulls uh, when they, you know, slide Drozen up to the four, bring Caruso in. I think that that's a closing lineup that is really going to be able to compete at like the top tiers of the league. Yeah, like with Crusoe offensive stuff, like it's when he starts to try to do too much is when it's a problem. Like when he starts running too much pick and roll, I guess just like handling the ball in general. When he just tries to stick to like making making the smart reads, doing all that stuff, shooting open corner threes, totally fine offensively. So when he starts dribbling a bit too much, but it can be a bit ugly. And I feel like there was one play, a couple of plays yesterday where that happens because he's had some really bad turnovers so far this year. But when he when he plays within himself, makes some smart passes, but he can also do some pretty crazy stuff offensively as well sometimes, but just not too much of it. And it's totally fine. And yeah, they just have like a nice mix of stuff because DeRozan can do, yeah, gets to his spot. So great. And Zach, like Zach was, I think started two for 10 last night. As, like I mentioned, he had four threes room out. We were talking like, is like his, his thumb, like screwing up like the spin on the ball. He's shooting out. There was just literally four threes down, like halfway down and spinning out, but like just like super weird to happen to him all the time. Cause he's such a smooth scorer. And then he was just like, all right, enough of this. I'm just going to attack the rim relentlessly, going straight at like Al Horford. Uh, they, the Celtics did lose Robert Williams last night. I think he got hurt. It was, it was, I don't think he closed at all, did he? Was it all just Horford at the five? I believe I'm trying to remember. So. Like, obviously, Robert Williams is a really good defender. Defender. So having him out there, like Horford is obviously still really solid, but he's 
not the rim protector that Robert Williams is good old time Lord. So Zach just, Zach took advantage of that. And we just, even with, even with the hand thing, like he was still getting to the rim, like at will at ease and finishing with either hand is super impressive doing that. So like, even though he shot one of eight from three, like he made like two thirds of his two point shots uh, to finish with 26 points after that slow start. Uh, just look at Lonzo hit four threes yesterday. They were mostly early. He had Lonzo had a rough game yesterday, I think for the most part, but uh, he's, the, he can, we know he's shooting well from three. We know he, he can lock things up defensively when he turns it up. So yeah, it's just a really nice mix of players and Vooch. He said Vooch has had his struggles to start this year. There were a few times where he got burned by Horford, but he had a, that huge little tip, I think tip rebound pass to Derek Jones jr. That was huge. Uh, and like I said, he had nine assists yesterday, just doing a lot of stuff from the middle of the court. Uh, and obviously the two man game, like you said, picking and popping, uh, he can shoot, he can pass from that. Uh, just a lot of offensive versatility there. So like you said, did you, did you mention the net rating for that group so far? Obviously super small sample sizes so far, but I think I saw Rob Schaefer tweet that uh, they have like a 20 some net rating. It was something really high one, one of the better like high usage five man lineups in the NBA so far. And it's, it's what we said that was the lineup we talked about before the season that we thought would close games. It's closing games. They've had some, there've been moments of struggle. We know that Raptors game ended disastrously, but then we saw them almost come back against the Knicks. We saw them close out the game last night, saw them end up closing out that jazz game. So like they've uh, been a really fun lineup to watch and definitely something that's going to be their closing lineup moving forward. Now, one thing that impressed me about the Celtics last night is just how hot they were shooting from three. Yeah. I think they made 46% of their threes on the night. They got up 33 attempts, I believe. They, they started, okay, they, they started 15 of 24 or something like that. They missed their last nine. They, so it evened out a bit because there was a point where it's like, you know, these guys are making everything. Like the Bulls weren't playing great defensively, but like you have Jalen Brown just knocking down threes in your eye. Like at, the, at some point, it's like where you tip your cap. It started to even out a bit. The Bulls started pressuring a bit more. The Celtics got tight. That's been a thing with the Celtics this year. So they cooled off and they still shot really well from three. Uh, but it, they just weren't shooting like 65% from three anymore. And then, and it evened out and helped the bulls come back. I think shooting variance is going to be one thing to track as this season goes on, because as of right now, the bulls are only giving up 33 point attempts per game to their opponents. That's close to the best in the league. I think it's the third lowest amount of three point attempts given up and their opponents are making 35%, which is, you know, an average percent yeah. that's, you know, they're the bulls, haven't been getting great luck on their opponents missing shots or horrible luck. That's about what you expect. But then the Bulls themselves don't take a lot of threes, right? They're dead last in the league in three-point attempts per game. They're taking 27 attempts per game from three. But they're making their threes. They're yep. third in the best percentage. They're hitting nearly 39%. Even DeRozan's making them. He hit three yesterday. <laughs> DeRozan hit three yesterday, including an absolute bomb from above the break at one point where – uh, you know, you don't you don't think his range extends that far, but it has. So to this point, I think that one thing that's been nice about the Bulls is that they have ways to win that don't rely on just bombing a bunch of threes. And it's the transition offense, which even when they aren't like ranking near the top of the league in like transition frequency, they are near the top of the league in transition efficiency. So when they get out on the break, they're able to finish. Uh their free throw troubles from last year have been completely wiped away. They're top 10 in the league in free throw attempts per game. And they that's almost single handedly DeRozan. I mean, yeah. DeRozan has been so good. Zach, Zach is getting the line more this year, too, I, I, I believe. 
and they make all of them. And they make all of them. Aren't they shooting like ninety percent from three? So or from from the line, I feel like they make the a ridiculous throw percentage. shooting team in the league. Yeah, yeah. they're close to ninety percent from three, and, or from from the line, I should say. And yeah, just like a, a lot of encouraging numbers when you just like look at the Bulls in general right now. Uh, they're not going to rebound well. They're not going to take a ton of threes. I think both those things could potentially come back to bite them as the schedule gets tougher. But what they have now is like an actual formula that it feels like they have an identity and a formula that they can rely on at the end of games that is just you know a, a totally new thing for this franchise yeah i do think kobe will help whenever he comes back i know there was an update on him recently that he's like taking the next step it'll be interesting to see how the rotation works out when kobe comes back because they do have a nice little nine-man grouping right now with io playing better uh, and with jo- jones and bradley and uh caruso off the bench but i think kobe will kobe gets something he'll He'll literally have like one job, get up there, get in there and shoot three pointers. Uh, so I think he'll help with the three point thing. Uh, the rebounding definitely is probably going to be an issue that they did out rebound the Celtics last night, but the Celtics, uh, I don't think they're a great rebounding team either, but still it was nice to see them. I, I, this, the Celtics did not have a single defensive rebound, I think in the fourth quarter yesterday, which was also because the Bulls shot like 80% from the they field. They missed three but, shots. The yeah. Bulls missed three shots in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So, but still like, it was nice to see them actually out rebounding team, but we have seen them. Uh, we have seen them struggle on the glass in some games, and that's going to be an issue. It's just naturally going to be an issue with, with such a small team. Uh, so they just have to battle. You got a team rebound. You got a gang rebound. Tip the ball to your teammates when you can. Uh, they're going to have to work that out. But, yeah, they don't have anything. Like, right now, there's just nothing that it seems like deathly – that is like just like a death knell for them. Like, that is something that could just absolutely kill them. Like, a, a, just an awful flaw. Like, re- you can get past bad rebounding. They're, they are shoot as long as they shoot well from three. Like I would like to see them take more, but as long as they shoot well from three, it's not like they're low attempt and low percentage. Like DeRozan will probably fall off a bit in that from the percentage mark, but like Zach hasn't shot that great from three. It feels like so. Like as long as they can keep that percentage up, uh, that's okay. The free throw stuff is great. Like they obviously have a couple gar- guys who can get to the line a ton. So like they just are, are really solid at a lot of things and like really good at some other things as well. So it's definitely a really good sign just for for them sustaining I said I don't think they're going to be the best team in the league by the end of the season or at the end of the season at the best record but like just in general a, a good sign for sustaining success here we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And I wanted to give you a platform to talk about your boy, Io DeSumo, a pick that I paint when they made it. I think I tweeted that's a Garpax ass pick. <laughs> I viewed it as 
sort of a low ceiling, high floor pick. And to this point in his NBA career through seven games, I would assume it's been awesome. He's been so fun to watch. On a pre-draft episode of Cash Considerations when we had uh, Brian J. Draft on, uh, he's also part of the Dennis Podman podcast. So if you enjoy what we're doing, go check out Kevin Farragut and the Dennis Podman podcast. Uh, I compared him to like maybe someone who could transition into a Terrence Mann type of role because both of them were three or four year college players. They both played on the ball in college. And I thought that both of them would have to like transition to off the ball in the league. Lonzo hasn't really been like a traditional point guard for the Bulls, but what he has been is just sort of like an energy wing guard or wing. He's flying all over the floor. His defensive activity has been awesome. Uh, When he gets wide open jump shots, he's been able to knock a few down. That's something he's definitely going to have to continue to do. And will probably be the biggest factor in how his NBA career turns out. I think he's going to be able to compete defensively. I think he's a pretty high IQ player in terms of knowing when to cut of knowing when to help on defense. Uh, can he reliably space the floor is going to be a huge question. I still don't know the answer to that. Yeah. And can he like sort of maintain his composure when he gets the ball and not just have like these frantic yeah. uh, moments? There will be, there will the be moments. Game. I mean, it happens with all rookies. Uh, there'll be moments probably. And he had but right now last night. Like he had, uh, I think there was a play where they showed him just kind of like, wandering around on offense and he had no idea where he was at except there'll there'll be stuff like that that happens have some bad turnovers here and there but that's i mean that's to be expected uh yeah right now io looks incredible yeah and he is everything you could hope for with the number 38th overall pick he's immediately giving you solid rotation minutes for a team that is has the best record in the nba so jace what have you been thinking about the io experience after watching his full college career and now the start of his nba career with the bulls yeah so i'm not going to do any like gloating here it was like when they made the pick i was like yeah like that's awesome like i love io he was awesome at illinois like it's really cool that he's on the bulls but like certainly had some questions even when he was in college about like how he would translate to the nba uh and all that kind of stuff and i i didn't expect him to play minutes i figured if i was playing like real minutes this year that the bulls were probably like things were not going well. Uh, And so far, like you said, he has been just really impressive. Uh, Six of six from the field yesterday, 14 points. He was a plus, I think like 15 or 17, like same, same thing with that jazz game. He's been a plus minus God so far, the energy and the activity level. Like I said, it doesn't always work offensively. He's had some issues finishing this last game aside, had some issues finishing around the basket his three-point shot, I think, is going to be kind of hit or miss. He hit both of his threes yesterday. And I did absolutely love the uh, the, the clutch three-pointer he hit last night uh, in transition, I think. Uh, just no hesitation. Fires put him it ahead. Up. Put yeah. him ahead by put, one. Put that. I gave the Bulls a one-point lead. Just absolutely no fear. And I mean, that's that was kind of one of the – that's always been one of the it's like things about him is that he's fearless. Uh, he's got a, plays with a chip on his shoulder. They were talking about it last night. Uh, Billy and Mar DeRozan, I believe, had some quotes about IO, just about how he has no fear. Chicago guy, the Chicago tough, that whole type of deal. Uh, so yeah, it's been awesome to see him be uh, probably. I mean, the maybe the arguably the most pleasant surprise on this Bulls team for me. I guess the defense being so good has been also a huge surprise. But IO, like I said, I had just no expectations for IO this season. The fact that we're seven games in right now, and he's possibly he's probably it seems like he's past Troy Brown Jr. in the rotation. I think he'll. I mean, maybe this will be a, a matchup dependent or like if IO struggles, maybe Billy goes to Troy Brown Jr. But uh, after that, in that jazz game, I said Billy didn't like what he saw out of Troy Brown Jr. after a few minutes. 
He goes to Io. Io helped change the game or helped impact the game with his defense, even though he struggled offensively. Rewards him again with the minutes in the Celtics game, and Io rewards him back with the best game of his young career so far. So as long as he keeps playing hard, keeps playing like that, he's going to get those minutes over over Troy Brown Jr. Again, we'll see what happens when Kobe White comes back. I don't know. Like I don't think I don't know if Billy's going to be going ten man rotation because I know he he likes staggering, having one of Zach or Demar out there at all times. Uh, so I don't maybe, maybe Kobe coming back will cut into Io's minutes. Maybe he does play ten man rotations. Uh, depend could depend on the matchups and all that kind of stuff. But I really hope Io does stick in this rotation. Keeps getting fifteen to twenty minutes per game and could keep making this impact because it's uh it's been pretty awesome to watch so far. Yeah, it's like a friend of mine said this today, and it's so true. Like when you're watching the best teams, like teams that are really going to be among your favorite of the last, let's just say like a decade or something, like you get excited when the bench comes in. And I'm starting to get excited when the Bulls bench comes in, right? Like Io is just full of activity. Caruso is just the man. I mean, for (laughs) such a flawed, for such a flawed guard. He just makes such a positive impact on every minute he's on the court. He's just phenomenal. That was such a good signing by the Bulls. And I think that they really found something in Jones and Bradley over the last two games. I expect those guys to be staples of the rotation moving forward. Uh, They're not world beaters, but they give you what they, they sort of fit into how this team wants to play, which is, you know, Bradley's skill set is somewhat similar to Vooch's. I mean, not offensively, but at least defensively, they're both big. They could take up space. They're not known for being super quick, but Bradley is a very good rebounder, which is something they need. And then Javante Green is just another freak athlete. Or, I'm sorry, uh, Derek Jones is just another freak athlete out there to pair with Javante Green and to give you a boost in transition, to give you some rim protection. Uh, I think both those guys have been terrific. And there's going to be nights, of course, where Derek Jones shoots like 0 for 4 from 3. And there's going to be nights when Bradley gets embarrassed in the pick and roll a couple times. But in general, I think that uh, this bench, while like it's been one of the stories of the early season that the bench really can't score, I think they do need to wait for Kobe to get back. But like Kobe fits in so well with all these other guards now, I think. Like all these guard combinations – uh, Kobe can really play well, I think, next to Lonzo and Caruso. I think he can play well next to, uh, you know, Io as well. So it's just such a such an improvement from the guard rotation of the last few years. And main takeaway, dude, this is a brand new team. Like everything you thought about this team coming into the season, if you were like, well, you know, here's what the Bulls have been the last few years. Disregard that. Everything you thought you knew about the Bulls coming into this year should be completely trashed. It's a brand new team. Only Levine and Kobe remain from the Garpax roster, and only Levine, Kobe, and Pat remain from the team that, you know, opened last season's regular season. So Bulls are awesome. I'm sold. I don't know. Like, I I feel pretty good right now that this is going to be a team that I think makes the playoffs without needing to go through the play-in tournament. And my optimism can probably go much higher than that, but just to like keep it right there for now, uh, I'm pretty sold. I think this team is legitimately good. I think, you know, DeRozan has been incredible. Levine is just hitting the prime of his career, continues to get better. Lonzo and Caruso's ball pressure defensively has been awesome. Vooch sucks offensively. You figure that's probably going to come around eventually, but Honestly, his defense has been okay. You know, his defense, I think, has been good given where my expectations for it were coming into the season. And all of the role player signings look really good, too. So 
Uh, it's by no means a perfect team. I do think they could probably use another big forward to sort of put yeah. into the Patrick Williams spot. We'll see if that happens uh, at some point this year, but everything about the team just makes sense. And I really feel like Donovan's done a great job, both with his schemes defensively, with his ability to sort of uh, just like let Levine and DeRozan be the best versions of themselves the way that, you know, Lonzo seemed like he didn't love his role with the Pelicans, but now Lonzo seems, seems like he's in good spirits. Like he's posting after the every game, you know, celebrating the wins. So even if Lonzo isn't that like super traditional point guard, like Lonzo, even though he can't, even though he can't make a layup and he hates taking layups. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, that's, we we knew that, like, I feel like people, uh, like if you didn't, I mean, we talked about it on this podcast when uh, we just knew that Lonzo is not like a great half court point guard who is going to like say, here, Lonzo, here's the ball, go score. Like, it's just not his game. When he when he beats guys off the dribble and like pick and roll, like he doesn't like going in to score all the way. <laughs> I don't know why, because I think there's times where he has advantages to do it. And we, we saw him biff a layup really bad in the Celtics game, but uh, he's been shooting great from three for the most part, a few duds in there. And then uh, defensively, he's been awesome. I know he got he got roasted by Jalen Brown and uh, Tatum a bit yesterday, but again, he bounced back and did it. Came down the stretch, so it has been nice. And yeah, the, the bench coming around is definitely huge. Some of these rotation changes have been really nice. And when Kobe comes back, that should help because I mean, it was just a couple games ago when we were watching Bulls Knicks, and I was like, this Bulls bench is awful. Like the Knicks look so much deeper, but now like if IO brings this type of juice, like I don't think we get expected every night. He's obviously not shooting six, six every night, but he, if he brings this juice, this in, in terms of energy and if Derek Jones Jr. Does the same and Bradley does the rim protection, like the bench starts looking a lot better, at least overall, obviously the offense is still kind of not there, but Kobe can help with that. Uh, and then you could, then you might have like a deep, a deep ish team that can go whatever nine, 10 and you feel pretty good about it. Uh, which is really nice. Yeah, they're still really reliant on Levine and DeRozan to carry the offense, especially in the half court. Yeah. And that's just how it's going to be. If one of those guys right. sustains a long injury, the Bulls are going to be in trouble. But I do think Kobe's good insurance for that, right? Yeah. When he comes back and you need depth. And there's, you know, there's going to be times where Levine's already got a busted thumb. Like he might need to sit down for a bit at some point with this injury or another one. DeRozan has been durable throughout his career. He probably won't play all 82 though. So they need, uh, you know, to get Kobe back and to get him in the mix. And I think he really fits well on this roster just in terms of what they have around him to sort of play him to his strengths and cover up some of his shortcomings. So all good vibes for the bulls right now, man. And they got two games against the Philadelphia 76ers coming up. That will be a good gauge of them against last year's number one seed in the East. Obviously the Sixers, are still going through Ben Simmons drama. Ben Simmons is doing everything he can to not take the floor for the Sixers. Uh, and the Sixers are doing everything they can to not accommodate his trade request. <laughs> so back-to-back games against the Sixers coming up for the Bulls. And, you know, should be fun. What will be interesting just, because, I was say, Embiid missed last game with his, he's dealing with knee soreness. I would guess he'll play tomorrow night. Tobias Harris isn't going to play. He's in health and safety protocols. It seems like Danny Green might not play either. He got he hurt his hamstring in this against the Blazers, which the Sixers beat the Blazers despite having no Embiid, no Harris, no Simmons, uh, and Danny Green getting hurt. That's an awful loss for the Blazers. Dame has been terrible to start the year. But yeah, I mean, the good measuring stick, especially if Embiid plays, because even without even if Harris doesn't play, like Seth Curry has been shooting the lights out. Uh, that'll be fun to watch like Caruso, Lonzo, Io, those guys chase him around. They'll have to slow him down. Um, they have some other good young players over there in Philly. And obviously if Embiid plays, 
they're going to have to do it, do what they can to slow him down. Cause we know he had some monster games against the bulls last year. He had that 50 point game. Uh, just watching him play is really fun. So yeah, it should be a couple fun matchups uh, coming up. That's what Wednesday, obviously we're recording here on Tuesday afternoon. So we got Wednesday. And then I believe the next one is Saturday night against, against the Sixers back at the United center. This this upcoming game is in Philly. Uh, so yeah, should definitely be a lot of fun there. I do actually, you meant I hadn't mentioned Vucevic much. I do want to shout out Vucevic real quick here for having one of the worst games I've ever seen against the jazz. And then, and then coming up with the two biggest baskets of the game, clutch three pointer, and then taking the ball right at Rudy Gobert's face and scoring on him. Very satisfying after an awful game. We hadn't really talked about Vooch that much here, but uh, I wanted to give him that shout out. And even, even though he has really struggled, and I think a lot of people have been kind of like, this guy sucks, like like turning it almost into a boozer type, but like he still made a bunch of big plays uh, in the last couple games down the stretch to help win them games. So nice to see him do that as well. And he'll have a, he's got this Embiid matchup coming up. That'll be really tough. Tony Bradley, former Sixer, the Bulls will probably have to be, he might see some extended minutes, even to just use fouls on, on Embiid. Uh, should be fun matchups for sure. Uh, before we wrap up here, Ricky, uh, real quick, our guy, Scotty Pippen has uh if you he he's got a book coming out and he he's had some real wild shit to say about the last dance about Michael Jordan about uh just that whole thing in general about Phil Jackson about all that stuff and uh an excerpt from his book was published and I believe at GQ just him going in on MJ on the last dance about all that kind of stuff I mean at this point it seems kind of petty seems kind of bitter I think he's probably upset that MJ isn't that MJ is getting banged for that. And he's getting much not getting the recognition and the, and the money. Uh, he, like I said, he went, he went really, went really in an MJ and it was pretty wild called him condescending, which I mean, it's Michael Jordan. I mean, at, at some point it's like, what do you expect? Scotty MJ helped produce the damn thing. You knew it was going to be all about MJ, but I think the, maybe the more interesting part of it, maybe, I mean, maybe for us to talk about here is him just totally like, outing john paxson like very wildly in in this conversation because it was basically like pax called him up and was like oh scotty like you know i really hate like how the what the organization has done like to you in recent years and pip was like having none of it because he's like dude you like you were part of that organization for the last 20 years like where the fuck were you man and he said like paxson started crying and that pip was just like man basically like fuck off i know you tweeted about that i threw a a little meme up on Twitter about that. Like, I, I, like whatever the Jordan stuff is uh, whatever at this point, like we know Scotty and MJ ha- don't have the best relationship at this point. Scotty's pissed the last dance. The Paxson stuff though was kind of wild. It was so funny. I, <laughs> it was just like so random to right. hear it in there at the end yeah. of this excerpt, which was on GQ and I'll just read it off. I have these three paragraphs yeah. highlighted. Jason set it up pretty well. So I'll just get into it. This is quote from uh, from GQ, which is from Scotty's book, which is going to be called Unguarded. I was glad to hear Paxton admit a wrong I had known forever, which didn't mean I was willing to forgive him. If that indeed was what he was looking for, it was too late for that. Quote, John, I said, that is all fine and dandy, but you worked in the front office for the Bulls for almost 20 years. You had the chance to change that and you didn't. He began to cry. Not knowing how to respond, I waited for him to stop. Why he was crying, I couldn't be sure. And honestly, I didn't care. (laughs) I mean, that is just hilarious. (laughs) So mean-spirited. And I feel like they threw it in there just for the blog boys like me and you, who have hated on Paxson for so long. 
uh, Scotty apparently wanted like power over like personnel decisions and stuff. I don't think the Bulls should have given Scotty that. Remember last year uh, when the Bulls hosted the 2020 All Star Game, Scotty like could barely name any players on the team, and oh, yeah, that's he right. lost his ambassador title with the Bulls after that. Sounds like he never wanted that ambassador title <laughs> in the first place. And Scotty, uh, you know, with Scotty, it's always about money. It's always about respect. And he still feels like he hasn't gotten enough respect because this documentary that the whole world watched was exclusively focused on Jordan. And Although, Scotty like, Fields. it was it obviously was very MJ centric, but there were parts where they like they highlighted Pippen and the like MJ said really nice stuff about him. And obviously, again, it was mostly Jordan. You knew it was going to be about Jordan. He was yeah. he had like the final control over. It. It's like you knew that was going to be a thing. It's not like Scotty was completely shortchanged. And like, obviously, they could have probably done more on Scotty, but like. It was an MJ documentary. It was an MJ documentary with the Bulls. So like it wasn't always, it wasn't going to be like half MJ, like, and then like 40% Scotty and then like 10% the rest of the guys. Like this was never going to be like that. So I don't know what he was really expecting there. There He got some love from, he got some love from MJ in it. Like it doesn't, it, I know a lot of, I was, I mean, just judging by the reaction in my like Twitter mentions, like a lot of people I feel like are, are just kind of are like, I don't want to say dumb with Scotty, but like just really upset about him. Just like having, it was obviously MJ's a God, but like, this kind of just like really put off by like these sour grapes, I guess you could call them like this kind of stuff. And obviously some of it's, he's trying to sell a book. He's trying to sell the conflict with MJ. Like, Oh, here, look at all this stuff. Like look at me trashing MJ. Look at me calling Phil Jackson a racist. Please buy my book. Uh, and like, while well, he has some points, so, like MJ is obviously a renowned a-hole uh, kind of sending to teammates and all that stuff. But like, like keep going at like after like this, like hard after the fact is just kind of wild. And then to air the packs and stuff also just crazy. <laughs> and that's probably that. Let's let's wrap it up there. Uh, so yeah, again, bulls Sixers, couple games coming up this week. So those, sh- those should be a lot of fun Wednesday, Saturday, as I mentioned, uh, as always shout out to the blue wire network, go check out all the other great pods. In addition to us here at cash all across the blue wire network, we got tons of sports going on right now. So go check out tons of NBA pods. We're in the middle of the NFL season. We got, we're finishing up baseball. We're in the world series right now that could end tonight. Uh, and then all the other just great pods. We have so many across the blue wire network. Uh, for us here at Cash Considerations, the HKI Bulls Podcast, as always, please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us out. Let us let us know how we're doing on there. Let us know how we're doing on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SBN underscore Ricky. And again, shout out to uh, Fuzzgun uh, for making our new intro. Just wanted to give him another shout out uh, because it's an awesome intro. Go check out his stuff on SoundCloud uh, at Relax Fuzzgun. So shout out to him. Shout out to all these other people. Shout out to the Chicago Bulls who are back playing like one of the best teams in the NBA right now. It's awesome. Hopefully they can come up with at least one of these wins against the Sixers. Hopefully they go 2-0. That'd be a lot of fun. So uh, I'm not totally sure when we'll be recording next, but we'll figure that out sometime soon here. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Take it easy.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.